0: Welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Podcast with your hosts, Tom Swiddle, Tom
1: Yashinsky, and Paul Navinsky. Now let's join the guys. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association Podcast. I'm Tom Swiddle, head football coach at Wauwatosa East and past president of the WFCA. I am joined by my co-host, Tom Yashinsky, head coach at Onalaska and a WFCA region rep, and Paul Nowinski, former coach at Mosinee, and a WFCA Hall of Famer. Tom, it's great to have you back on. I've got to tell you, you got to get rid of your day job so that you can be on all the podcasts. What do you think I, of that?
0: I, I would love to be able to get rid of my day job, but tell you what, when you guys start paying me the same salary for that, I, I'm, I'm on board.
1: Well, we, we're we going to get some sponsors, and I think we might be able to make that happen maybe in about 20 years. Hey, Paul, I want to bring something up, and I want to... I haven't thanked you publicly, but I have to do that. You brought up some great points in the last podcast, and, and the research you do leading into the podcast really helps us. And again, I just want to thank you for that.
2: No problem. I just do criminal background, so things are good.
1: <laughs> okay. And if you have Watch a criminal, out, yeah, if you have a criminal and we shouldn't be uh, you know, doing this, it's you let joke. me know. Please. Hey, some
2: good news, Tom. What's that? I actually mulched my lawn today. Okay. <laughs> There's no snow here, but we're supposed to get snow Sunday.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that because I'd be really concerned if Mozini didn't get a foot of snow about every oh, no, week or Only so. a
2: few inches.
1: Okay. All right. Well, that's hardly even snow for you guys. I get it. But, uh, hey, gentlemen, our last podcast introduced the topic of Girls Flag football, a sport gaining momentum across the nation. Ryan Fensel of the Packers gave a great background on how the NFL and the Green Bay Packers are solidly behind this effort. And then Tom Schafransky, also a part of the podcast, Uh, of the WIA, expertly laid out the process that leads it to being recognized as a varsity sport and what it takes to become eligible for a WIAA tournament. Listeners, if you haven't listened to that podcast, you may want to get that uh, to do so in order to get the context of some of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Our guest tonight is one of my favorite people, Greg Roman. Greg is the very successful football coach at Milwaukee Reagan and is also a WFCA region rep representing the Milwaukee city conference. Greg, welcome. And thank you for being on with us.
3: Thanks, Tom. I appreciate the sentiments. Good to see you and Paul and and Tom again. Um, and before I, I go on, I just want to say you guys at the WFCA, what a great clinic you put on as well. That was awesome. And all the coaches across the state are listening tonight, I think would concur with that. I mean, it was just a tremendous weekend in Madison.
1: Well, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that, as does Paul and Tom and, and Dan Brunner and Bob Resowitz and the rest that pulled it off. But uh, thank you so much. Now, Greg, you experienced firsthand the April 1st Green Bay Packer Open for Girls Flag Football, and we look forward to your your thoughts on it. And I would like to start tonight by asking you, how did you find out about this opportunity?
3: Sure. So the Packers, Ryan Fensel who's the outreach coordinator for the Packers, had sent out emails to athletic directors around the state of Wisconsin and just proposed uh, what was going to happen up there on April 1st. And our athletic director, Keith Mayer, thought that, uh, you know, our football coaching staff here at Reagan might be interested. So he passed it along to us. And, uh, you know, we, we were really intrigued from the from the get go. Uh, you know Reagan is a is a great school with a really diverse set of students, and we have uh, clubs that cover the gamut, and um, I mean if you can name a club in a high school i'm sure we have it uh, like ukulele club cat club the the where's Waldo club, I mean i'm not making that up, I mean we, we have all these different diverse clubs and kids with different interests, and so um, you know this was a novel idea that I thought would be intriguing um, because of the type of kids we have. We also have a very strong girls uh, athletics program, and we're a very young school. We we only opened in 2003. We were one hallway that shared a building with a grade school, and we have grown exponentially. We have over 1,200 kids now, but since its its growth, girls sports has always been at the forefront. In fact, we, uh, we have something like five girls soccer teams. Um, we have a strong girls wrestling program. We were one of the pioneers in girls wrestling in the state of Wisconsin. And so I thought we would get a number of girls that would be interested in doing this. And so, you know, I, I thought about this and I, I talked to some of the other football coaches, Dave Poltrock, who was in our building, one of our PE teachers, who was our offensive coordinator for a number of years, and now is the offensive coordinator at Johnson Creek, but but still teaches at Reagan. We thought, yeah, this is something that I think we're gonna get some interest in. So we uh, we got a few of our female staff members on board, and we thought, Okay, now that we we think we're gonna do this. Let's put in a proposal, and and we did that, and I think Ryan mentioned this. They they had such an overwhelming response to the the query that they sent out to the ADs and they were looking for 10 teams and, and they got well more than that, I think more than three times that. And so I think they had to go to some sort of lottery system and, and we were lucky enough to have been chosen for that.
1: Um, two things, Greg. One is I do play the ukulele and <laughs> my wife hates it. So I now know where I can go and play and not bother her. But secondly, I have to ask you, have you ever coached girls before?
3: I have not. By the way, uh, Polt Rock runs our ukulele club. So you and he would, would get along handsomely. And, and I see you, laughing because you can just imagine Polt Rock playing a ukulele right now. But uh, yeah, but uh, no, I had never coached girls sports. And so, um, you know, I, I talked to a few of, of uh, our coaches in the building who coached girls sports and just to get a sense of of what I could expect. And you know, they had just said here's something that you're you're gonna notice is that they're gonna be very coachable. And that certainly proved to be true. Um, you know, when they use the word sophomoric, I think they are talking about um boys in the high school level. And you know how these guys football and you and you know how boys can get on a football field, they they can have the attention span of a gnat at times. And so, you know, when we were teaching these concepts of football, you know, they they were apt pupils like really were very engaged in what was going on there, there was no like um side talking that was happening and you know I was really really impressed with how hungry they were to learn the sport of football and you know i was able to put in a zone defense in a much faster time than i was able to do with our boys at the varsity level they, they just picked it up so quickly and so part of that is because I just think of, of how um, into it they were. And so really, really was a, a great experience for me. And I I, I would really look forward to, to coaching uh, in the future. I would love to continue coaching girls like football. I know one of the discussions is, when do you do it spring and fall? And I think we'll probably get to that later in the podcast, but really enjoyable experience. You know, I love the sport of football and I love to teach, and here I was able to teach something I love to uh, a group of student-athletes that I've never had an experience with before, so uh, really, really wonderful. Paul?
2: Well, first of all, the reason Tom Yashinsky is giddy, you don't know this, Greg, but he's a cello player, <laughs> so he was thinking, ready, WFCA band? Cat- <laughs> <laughs> I, I have never... He doesn't even I have
0: know. never played an instrument in my life. I was <laughs> lucky if I could play Guitar Hero on Xbox. You,
3: you won't, you won't
0: find me with a with an instrument.
3: You he had me thinking Badger Bash next year was going to be you guys on the ukulele and cello, but now I think we should have a Guitar Hero tournament there. I play the trumpet, Greg. I, 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 you stole
2: a lot of my research because I looked at your school and your school is really progressive. Yes, and it you, is. It's, you've it's made a, you've made great strides, but. Um, what was the attitude when you first announced that you were going to be doing it? Now, how did you do that? And how did you get the inspiration to say, hey, we're going in?
3: Yeah, so we were in the middle of a winter sports season. And so, you know, we have a number of girls that, as I mentioned earlier, were in wrestling and girls basketball, and and were involved in in other sports. So what we decided we needed to do was, was hold a tryout because we needed to figure out how many girls would would actually be interested and would be able to commit. Because when we thought about when we could practice, one of the things that could have been a disincentive was we were going to have to practice before school because of the competition with winter sports. And we knew we would get girls basketball players, uh, some wrestlers we hoped would be able to play, but we didn't want to conflict with their after school practices. And so the girls that were going to do this would have to know that you know we were going to roll at 7 a.m., before school starts and you know that's a big ask in in middle of winter in Wisconsin to get kids out in the in the cold in the dark to do that but we uh we announced it and we we picked two dates consecutively for tryouts and so we did a, a after school tryout and then we did a tryout the next morning for the girls who were in in other sports and we ended up having I think somewhere around 50 girls who showed up for the tryouts Paul and you know, we had to decide what are these trials even going to look like? Like, what are we looking for here? And so we decided we were just going to break out footballs and have them play catch and from real close range and see, you know, who could catch a football and and what they look like, how they moved. And and then we did like a, a tackling drill, ear quotes tackling, Paul, and where they they wore flags and we set up an alleyway, kind of like a, a little shake and bake drill where so you could make somebody miss and who can grab a flag and then uh, we threw some passes at them and, and that was kind of it and so you know we just evaluated the girls we actually put numbers on them so we could identify them and then afterwards we we sat down and said okay we think that you know she's a candidate and she's a candidate and, and we had girls from all different grade levels that showed up and we had girls that had been involved in sports and some that weren't And it was a really impressive array and you know they were so excited afterwards cuz we did this i think on a tuesday wednesday and we were going to announce the team on friday and we had girls asking us in the hallway when are you going to announce did i make the team did i make the team really really excited and so um you know really impressed with with the way that that they showed up for the tryouts and we could only pick the roster limit set by the packers was 25 And we decided collectively that we were going to take as many girls as we could, which is 25, we were going to max out that roster, because we wanted to expose as many of them to this as possible, even though the range of skill level was pretty wide by the time you get down that roster, but we certainly wanted to to utilize as many as we could. Greg, follow up
2: question real quick. Um, When you say we obviously had to put a coaching staff together, and you could talk about that, but... As I did a little research, did you toy with actually having two teams where one would go up to the Packer thing and the other would, because the number was, I saw the article in the paper, the number was great.
3: Yeah, Uh, we did not. Now, ideally, that would be, would have been a great spot to be in, um, to be able to do that for practice purposes as well. But um, we we didn't approach it that way. The way we did it was, it was six on six. It was kind of interesting. It wasn't seven on seven. And so we had to sort of figure out how we were even going to practice. And so we ended up doing like line shifts like hockey. Where we would have like six girls and six girls and six girls. and we had like a blue line, a white line, a gray line. So when we practiced, we would run like three plays with this group and then three plays with this group because we had to be very efficient with our time because we only had 45 minutes before practice and we were, or excuse me before school and we were in the gym and the gym at Reagan is it's a bandbox. And so we were constrained by that as well. But yeah, we just we kept everybody together and then we would rotate them through offense and defense and just tried to eventually, put them into um, set positions uh, like who was going to be a cornerback and who was going to play free safety. And, and then we had three linebackers. And even the lingo that we used as coaches and you know, how we get sometimes is we we start using language that no one else understands except us. And, you know, we would talk and say, okay, on this play, the the mic is going to blitz and, you know, and then the hand goes up, what's a blitz. And so then you got to break down what that means, but you know, they, they did pick it up very quickly as I, I mentioned earlier, but that's how we approached it, Paul. Tom,
0: oh. Greg, who uh, who taught your girls to throw? Because if I've looked at your offensive <laughs> stats from your from your boys' team, I'm not sure anybody <laughs> on that staff is one that you're going to lean on for throwing the football.
3: Yeah, I knew you couldn't resist that. Tom. So we, uh, you know, of course, we run the power T at Reagan, and and we don't throw the ball that often. But uh, Pol Rock actually ran the offense for this flag football, and and um, he was the one that was in charge of of doing all that stuff on O and, you know, I sort of worked with the wide, wide receivers, which we don't have either on our, on our boys team. We just have tight ends or third tackles on each, either side. But uh, yeah, you know, Davis found the passing game. Now he's at Johnson Creek, Tom. I mean, he's, he's putting it in the air. So, uh, so, so yeah, so we divvied it up that way. Follow-up question.
0: Do they use the same size ball that the high school is using? Or are they using like that, that one size smaller to help modify for a girl's hand size?
3: Yeah, great question, Tom. So we actually asked ourselves these questions as well. And so, you know, the Packers and Ryan did a great job of organizing this thing. And and he had sent out, you know, some information to us. But we didn't know the size of the football. We didn't know whether we were going to be able to um, use a center or whether we were going to use a timing tee. And so we actually had to make some phone calls with Ryan and, and ask him those questions. And it ended up we did use smaller footballs. And so, you know, that was part of the learning process for us. And we did use timing tee. So we, we actually bought a timing tee and brought it in. But um, we already had the flags, but the, the other equipment was pretty minimal.
1: Tom, so you know, uh, last summer, um, I asked Greg if he'd be interested in a seven on seven when I was at Vincent. And he said, well, we never throw the football. And I said, well would you still do that? You know, and he graciously brought his team to Vincent and we did do seven on seven and they actually ran, um, offensive plays that I supplied. If I remember correct, right, Greg, yeah. we, we kind of gave you what we thought we would like to see.
3: Right. And,
1: um, they may not do it, but they can do it because they did a lot of really good things that day. So, um, I know that's going to be air Roman this, this, uh, coming fall, I'm sure, <laughs> but, now, you had a really busy day at Lambeau Field. We did. Kind of kind of give our listeners, you know, what happened, um, how your girls reacted to all the things. I mean, talk about, you know, just being giddy, I'm sure, with excitement. What were some of the things that, that your girls really took to?
3: Yeah, you know, it was a first-rate experience, and there was an air of excitement, I think. And the closer we got to that day, the, the more excited the girls got. And it really did they really did grasp how big of an event this was and how we talked to them about it before they went up. And I said, you know, you you are trailblazing right now. And the, the hope is that this is gonna grow into a sport that um, becomes a big thing in the state of Wisconsin. And, and there are girls that aren't even born yet. And 20 years from now, you can look back and say, I was one of the very first ones to do this. And so there was that air of excitement and, and import before we even went up there, but you know the Packers uh, put on a great show for us, and and you would expect that they they should be good at putting on big events. And you know when we showed up they they have the welcome speaker, and and Phoebe Schechter is a really uh, dynamic person. She was an assistant tight end coach with the Buffalo Bills. She's a, a pioneer herself, and now she does analysis for the NFL for sky sports in London, and so very knowledgeable. And she was talking to the girls, and and she said a number of things that really resonated. One of the things she said was, "You may be the first female in a room ever, like she was when she was a tight end coach for the Bills." But she said, "Make sure you're not the last one." And she also said something that you all of you in this room could be an Olympian in 2028 because the NFL, of course, is looking to expand this, and one of the things that they really want to do is make this an Olympic sport in 2028, and so. It, you think about the age of these girls right now in five years from now, 22, 23 maybe, and if they go on and play in college because it's growing at the NAIA level, it's growing at the JUCO level, there's scholarships available for this sport. Bryant and Stratton uh, was up there recruiting girls, which is uh, uh based here in Milwaukee. And so the, the beginning of the day, I mean, that was a great way to start it out. And then we got the tour of the stadium and the girls loved walking down the ramp into lambeau field just like the packers would and they pipe in some crowd noise and you walk out there and and it was a cold day believe me it was the frozen tundra so it was (laughs) and uh, you know we got our pictures taken and then we got to go through the hall of fame and i mean they were just dialed in to the entire thing and all the girls were and you really got a sense that everybody was um, was serious about this event Everybody that was involved, like when you went to the games at the Hudson Center, I mean, everybody that was there looked like they belonged to be there. The 10 teams that were chosen, prepared and performed um, in a serious nature and really represented themselves well. I I was really impressed, not only with the Packers, but also all the other teams and coaches and girls that showed up.
1: Right. Or uh, excuse me, Greg, to expand on that, um, you know, you had mentioned to me uh, when we talked prior that you were amazed at the number of spectators in the Hudson Center.
3: Yeah. So the way they set it up was they cut the field in thirds and we actually went from sideline to sideline. So they set it up moving from the 35 yard line in. So one side of the field. Uh, would have been all the teams and then so when you played you were able to go on the side of the field that they had constructed in the middle and all the fans were on the other side and and it was a full house on the other side and so a lot of parents really traveled well up there I know we had some parents uh, from our team that went up the night before and and made a weekend of it and um, you know it was a great atmosphere and and so after our first game and we competed in our first game and I said to him, I and you know, I was really proud of him. And I said, "But this isn't the Reagan Gym. <laughs> and this is a completely different environment. You're in the Hudson Center right now with World Championship banners hanging, and uh, you know it's it's a completely different experience for you. So it was just, uh, it was an awesome experience." Paul.
2: Yeah, Greg. If you I, maybe you've done this, if you go look at the media coverage, and yeah. the videos and the news articles, and just to go watch the videos and the expression what a jaw-dropping experience it was um but my and and that that's awesome and i I can see this the fire's lit there's no doubt about it. i mean i think about the state is coming but my question to you was are they going to use a regulation field or is it going to be like eight man where it's you know obviously not as wide i mean any talk about
3: that yeah no you know I talked to Ryan a little bit afterwards uh, after one of our games and and just said you know the, the seeds are planted and now how do we water this thing now I'm talking like Steve Jones and Kimberly how do we get this thing to you know to to sprout because this is a great event but I, I we just can't have this amazing event and then next spring you have 10 more teams that experience it but that's it like how do we how do we grow this thing uh, moving on and and so there's a lot of questions that that we have to answer moving forward Paul and I think just watching, because we did our research and we watched some of the stuff going on in California where they just sanctioned it as a sport in CIF. Yeah. And it looked like they were playing on a field that was probably a little narrower, like, like you would guess, like eight-man football here in Wisconsin. And so I think you would play on a regulation field, but you would narrow the the field in. And I don't know how long it would be. Like, we only played 35 yards in. So I think that's one of the things you'd have to look at. And, and you can find this stuff on YouTube. And if you go and watch some of these high school teams from California and, and down south, like in, in Florida. In Florida, there's over 7,000 girls playing flag play football in Florida. And you should watch them. I mean, they, the skill level is incredible when you watch this stuff.
2: Yeah, Greg, I, 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 I'm a big video guy. So I've been watching it. And you, Alabama, the excitement is is incredible. And you're you're right. I was so impressed with some of the video I saw. I'm like, are they, is this a college intramural team? Yeah, There's some good athletes.
3: You should have seen some Prairie West, man. I mean, Chelsea Alt, who who coaches varsity football there, she had those girls rolling, and their quarterback was throwing dimes, like running post routes, like thirty route, thirty yard post routes, and just hitting her in stride. They were stealing. I mean, it was just, it was so impressive. Tom.
0: Um, I, interesting that this is starting to spread here. When I was in Alaska in 2004 to 2006, they actually played girls flag football up there. And that, you know, looking back and I feel really old saying this now, that was almost 20 years ago. Um, but they, they've been playing it since then. And now they don't have a state championship, but they do play it, um, as a, as a high school sport. Uh, but you mostly saw it in, in Anchorage where their schools in Anchorage were, similar size schools as you'll find in some of the milwaukee areas the thousands the 1200 kids schools um it wasn't one that was played in the what we called the interior which was fairbanks where the school sizes were much smaller and then you'd also add a ton of travel into there but um but i thought that was interesting that it that it really was was you know full go uh back then um and it's taken this long for it to spread to the rest of the, uh, of the states. Typically, if something is in Alaska, it's been in the rest of the uh, states for about 50 yeah. years. They're usually the last to catch on, not the first.
3: Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that, Tom, because in Dave uh, Rock, when he was researching this, he has some connections up there in Alaska. There's a school called Soldaten up there, which you may have heard of in your time. Yeah, they, up there. They, uh, they win they, a they, championship every year. And four they run years power, in a row. They run Power T. And so we've used them as a resource for our Power T down here in and so he's got a good relationship. And so he's talking to one of their guys up there that coaches girls flag football. And he said what they do there is they pair it with the boys. And so on Friday night lights, it's the girls flag football game first. And then the boys play right after. So it's it's a big to do wow. on Friday nights. Yeah. And, and and he was asking about some of the rules, like blocking and such. And and so his coach in Alaska says, yeah, there, you know, there's rules, but it gets pretty rough and tumble up there. Paul,
2: yeah. If you get online and start to research, the states are advanced. They have found very creative ways to get this out. Um, it really is. Um, playing before the varsity game, and even some have tried to play during after,
1: um, to get recognition and get the word out. And it's it's really catching up. Well, and that that just bodes well for the future. And and Greg, you've already commented. You know, what's the next step and you know, you'd be interested in continuing with girls flag football, you know, and how do you do that? I've got to ask you, Greg, given the fact that the NFL is behind this, the Packers are behind it, you're talking about, you know, a billion dollar industry, if more than that. Was there any cost on on your part that, that Reagan had to, um, you know, ante up in order to participate?
3: Yeah, the, the Packers uh, gave $1,000 to each school that got chosen to help with, um, with transportation and and whatever items that you would have needed. So, you know, we we bought a timing tee because, of course, we wouldn't have had those at our school. And we got a couple smaller footballs and some smaller wristbands because we actually used wristbands um, when we called our plays. And the, the wristbands we have for the boys were too big. So that was something that That we had to invest in but yeah there was a there was some seed money that that was planted and I think some of the other schools what they did was you know spent money on like sweatshirts and stuff because every team that showed up all 10 teams were wearing some type of. uh, Like hoodie that said flag football like they had all bought some sort of uh, attire and looked really sharp, I mean there was there was definitely a lot of thought that went into it but Nike also contributed uniforms, so what they did was they gave you a template and you could choose different colors and, and different type fonts um, across your Jersey and numbers. And they were really great uniforms. They came from Beaverton in Oregon and they were top of the line and the girls got to keep those.
1: How cool Um, is that? Very cool. Yeah.
3: Paul. Uh, Greg,
2: if I was just a football coach that was interested in doing this, what would be some of the steps or things that you think, that advice or just something you could give a coach that might be interested in doing this?
3: I would say do it. I mean, if you, if you've only coached boys football, it is really refreshing to to do. If you love football, then this is something that that would be right up your alley. I mean, it's, it's a different uh, type of game, but it's going to be really fulfilling to do it. And so when the Packers open this up again next year, I think there's going to be so many schools that are going to that are going to jump at the opportunity. And, and you guys hosting this podcast tonight, I think, is a really big deal, too, because it gets it out there to the rest of the coaches in the state of Wisconsin. And you will find in your schools and, and I'm talking to coaches out there, you will find girls that are going to want to do this. And um, I think the minimum roster was something like 14. You can find 14 girls that are going to want to play because some of the schools were, were small. Clayton. Clayton, up in the far northwest part of Wisconsin, came down, and I I think they won the the skills challenge, like the relay. They did really well, and they were competing against big schools. And so it doesn't matter the size of your school; just do it, take it on. The girls are going to have a great time doing this, and I think the more schools that get involved. Then the better it is. I mean, Tom Shafransky from the WI says you, you need so many schools. I think we can get to that minimum number of schools in a really short order. And Tom's one of Tom's points was, you know, you have to work
1: through your school administration. You have to, you know, like you wanting to put a team together, um, Greg, isn't enough. You you, you have to have your your school administrators solidly behind you, and they're the ones that reach out. To the WIAA so that's that's a major step also for coaches to know yeah Tom you had a you had your hand up
0: Greg is there any fear from WIAA from schools that um, by expanding another sport like this that it might take away from a volleyball from uh, whatever you know whatever season you had if it was in the spring that it would take away from a girl's soccer and a softball is there any any fear that you spread people too thin for female athletes
3: I think it's a fair question, Tom. And so that's one of the big questions that, 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 we have to ask ourselves people who want to be involved in this moving forward is when do you do it? because if you do it in the fall, you compete with certain girls sports. And if you do it in the spring, you compete with certain girls sports. And I think it has to be either fall or spring uh, just because of the nature of our, our, our weather up here in Wisconsin. And so, you know, if you're in the fall, then you compete with volleyball, cross country, swimming, and, um, Forget what else would be in the fall. Probably another sport. Girls then, golf. Uh, girls golf, yeah. Yeah. And so there's there's those fall sports that you have to compete with. And then in the spring, you have soccer, track, softball. And I think that most of the girls on our team, and I don't know if this is true of other teams, but I could probably guess that you had a lot of soccer, softball, and track girls that were involved in this. And so either either time you pick it, you're going to be competing with other sports because I don't think you can have girls play this and another sport. We just happen to do it by practicing before school and only practicing a couple times a week. How sustainable is that moving forward? Not entirely sustainable, I think. So I I think it is a fair question you asked there, Tom, but I just think if if you can offer something that girls are interested in, then you do it. And, And I think that what we found is that girls like watching football and they like playing football it was the tackling part i think that was the biggest disincentive to having more girls play in fact one of the girls on our team played on our boys team for a couple years and and she was interviewed on by tmj4 and she said you know it was the tackling that, that it was the, the hardest thing for me and so this right here like this is my jam this is my thing Greg, did you have the opportunity to talk to other coaches
1: up there and compare notes? I'm just wondering, you know, how they organize teams. Did you pick up any tips? Did you, you know, hear anybody? Did you hear uh, somebody say something? That you're like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. You know what? What kind of networking was going on up there in relation to this?
3: Yeah, you know, I've been I've been conversing with Chelsea from Sun Prairie West uh, over Twitter while they were getting them, themselves uh, situated over there and, and and we found that we were doing some of the same things that we were we were taking girls that were involved in a winter sport and just trying to find times to to be able to practice with them and I know what, what they had was spring break before this started. So they actually had a window yeah, two of a days. Chelsea yeah, probably
1: had two a days during maybe, spring break.
3: They had a window of opportunity. <laughs> and our spring break actually started the week after this was held. So we, we didn't have that that ability to do that. But I think that a lot of schools probably had a similar situation where they had girls that were playing a sport and they just had to sort of carve out time to be able to do this. And, um, so I think that was, that was a great challenge for us. And one of the things we wanted to do was because Milwaukee King, Rufus King, which is another city school was part of it as well. And I wanted to scrimmage them. We actually set up a scrimmage the Saturday before we went up there. It would have been a great experience because neither of us had done this. And then I think we got like 10 inches of snow that day. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we did. We we weren't able to do it. And so we had to call it off. You didn't go into your (laughs) dome. You didn't go into your practice (laughs) facility
3: indoor and do it. Surely you jest. Yeah. I mean, we we practice in the outfield of a softball diamond, so we're, we're we are so far away from a dome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, anyways, um, some of the challenges.
1: Greg, I, I can't thank you enough for uh, being a part of this podcast. Um, you, you're very articulate. You're very entertaining, and you did a great job describing this event. And um, you know, I'm I'm hope if nothing else, coaches that listen to this, it's food for thought, right? I mean, it's, yes, you can do it, you know, and and you will have people who are interested in doing it.
3: Yeah. I so, think you, should, you can probably think right now, you've got to be able to put together a team in Alaska. Wouldn't you think I'm, I'm I, calling you out right now, man?
1: I, I think we would
0: probably, um we probably would, if it was in the right season with the, with the number, I mean, we got a girl kicker and she's tough as nails and, she, she almost went after a ball on a, on a bad snap this year, and our holder had to tell her to get away from it. Otherwise, she was ready to pick it up and go. Um, but uh, I, I think that there's a lot of schools that would be, if it was offered, especially if it was in the fall, when you think volleyball only has six girls playing at a time, and they might have a rotation that involves nine girls, but there's a ton of girls that, that aren't involved in a sport in the fall that are playing a, a, a fall softball league or fall soccer league or something like that, that is outside of school. Yeah. So now the only problem with playing it in the fall is you do take kind of your experts in the building out of the coaching in terms of your, your coach, your football coaching staff, isn't going to be able to do it. Um, but that, that gives you an opportunity to build up some new coaches then and and give some other people some knowledge and some responsibility too.
3: I think that's a great opportunity too. then, Tom, you raised that point is yeah, get a, get a new breed of coaches to do this. And Greg, I have to ask you, did you
1: have any female coaches with you? Did you invite any of the girls coaches to, to be a part of this?
3: Yeah, we had three. We had three staff members. We had Kay Nichols, who's uh, one of our PE teachers yeah. and, and has coached softball, uh, varsity softball at different schools. And and uh, Cassie Christensen is one of our teachers, and she has coached um, both boys and girls sports. And then uh, Grace Jameson, who coaches volleyball and, and girls soccer in our building. So we had really had a great staff boy it sounded like so much fun and again thank you for coming on and
1: and and sharing your experience and um you know i know we're going to have you back on the podcast somewhere along the the line and um you know again you 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 say things so well you know like you, you again you're articulate and and you just are a great communicator and and we appreciate that and um Uh, Paul and Tom, thanks again for all the things you contribute to this podcast. We couldn't do it without you guys. And uh, to our listeners, um, and I say this every time, um, if you've got questions or comments or topics that you'd like to see us cover in this, um, please reach out to myself or Paul or Tom, and we'd be happy to get back to you. And and we're really interested in, in what your thoughts are. Um, Paul probably knows the numbers better than anybody, but we're growing every podcast. And, and, you know, we really thank you for that. So until next time, thanks so much and have a great evening.